Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illnesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Well, good evening. Uh, Let's just pray before we start, shall we? Father God, uh, thank you for giving us this passage. Thank you for giving us the scriptures. And we just pray as we look at this now that you will uh, really help us to understand it better and learn more of your will for our lives. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk this evening uh, about the kingdom of God. And the reason I want to talk about the kingdom of God is because, well, that's what the passage is about. Luke 4, 38 to 44. It's a sort of scene setter for Jesus's ministry. And verse 43 ends this short section with Jesus saying, I must proclaim the kingdom of God. So, that's what we're going to think about. Now, in one way, the the kingdom of God is something that we we look forward to. You know, one day the whole universe is going to be wrapped up. It'll be a redeemed universe uh, with God in charge. Human time will end. Jesus will return in glory. Uh, And that will be, in one way, the kingdom of God. Um. But the kingdom of God is also something that is here now and and, and very present. Uh, If you think about the Lord's Prayer, uh, we say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come, uh, sort of future tense. Um, But we also say, yours is the kingdom, present tense. So although the kingdom is future, it's also present And the kingdom of God is present wherever God is king, wherever he's allowed to rule. Uh, It's it's not a physical place. Neither, by the way, is it the same as the church. People used to think that that the church was the kingdom of God, but it isn't. Going to church isn't the kingdom of God. Hopefully it's, it's, it's part of it, obviously. No, the kingdom of God is not a physical place. It's wherever God rules, wherever Jesus is allowed to be in charge. And that's what's happening in this passage here, isn't it? We're seeing Jesus being in charge. And of course, that's what happens in our own lives too. When we allow Jesus to be in charge of our lives then at that point we've moved under his rule. We've moved into the kingdom 
of God. And that kingdom is an exciting place. In the kingdom of God, people are healed. Uh, in fact, in the words of the hymn, they're healed, restored, forgiven. It's a kingdom that's full of power. It's a kingdom that's full of love. It's a kingdom that's run, if you like, by the Holy Spirit. Does that excite us? Does the thought of being in that kingdom excite us? You know, years back, Judith and I moved to Kenya when we were quite young. I'd just qualified as an accountant, um, and to add to the excitement, moved to Kenya. And, uh, and I can still remember that moment of getting off the aeroplane after the overnight flight and arriving in a new country. And it was just so exciting. I can remember still the, the, the smell of that hot African dust in the air as we came off the plane and the, uh, and the Bougainvillea sort of glistening in the early morning sun and even elephants pushing up against the perimeter fence of the, uh, of the airport. Do you know, it, it was a new land uh, and it was a new life and it was just so exciting. Now I think I'm sounding more excited talking about Kenya than I am talking about the Kingdom of God. And I wonder whether you feel the same. Whether we sort of lost that sense of excitement, especially now we're so weighed down, aren't we, with rules and regulations and, and Covid masks and all this rubbish. And we just need to perhaps rediscover the Kingdom and just live a little. So let's see what this passage tells us about the kingdom of God. I want to pick up three or four pointers. Um, and they are to do with the fact that the kingdom is very personal to us. Uh, that the kingdom involves restoration. And that the kingdom involves proclamation. I'm not, I'm not sure I quite got that last title right. But there we are. That's what we'll live with. Proclamation. Um, now, we're just talking about starting Alpha again. Very excited. That'll run up to Christmas. Uh, and one of the phrases you hear repeatedly on Alpha is God loves you. And I have to say, my initial reaction when I hear that is, oh dear, it's a bit cheesy, isn't it? It's a bit like, uh, have a nice day. But of course, it's a, it's a simple and fundamental truth of the Bible. That God individually loves you and me. And that's deeply personal, isn't it? And I want to start there because it's so easy, isn't it, to 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 think about churchy things and Christiany things and do stuff and forget that actually being a Christian is not about doing church or having a social conscience. But it's about loving the Lord and the Lord loving us. And how do I know he loves me? Well, as the Bible story unfolds, I'm going to see Jesus, God's Son, dying on a cross, taking the punishment that I deserve for my ignoring and rebelling God to restore my relationship with him. But we haven't got there yet. And in Luke 4, what I'm seeing is Jesus acting out that personal love, putting it into action to reinforce the point. Look with me perhaps at verses uh, 38 and 39. Uh, Jesus has left the synagogue. He's gone to Simon's home. Um, and straight away it's interesting, isn't it? This is happening not in the formal setting of the synagogue, 
but in the intimacy of a chat between a daughter and her husband and the Lord. And they're talking about mum, who's dying, I guess, in the bedroom. And Jesus goes into her. He says he bends over her like a doctor looking at his patient. And he cures her. It's a very intimate, very private scene, isn't it? And then as the sun sets, again, away from the formality of the synagogue, verse 40, it says, Jesus heals. And he heals personally. Can you see that? He doesn't say, right, everybody's getting late. You're all better, go home, I'm going to bed. He lays hands on each one of them. It's a personal encounter with the living Lord. And just by the way, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with church or the synagogue in this case. um, And that might be where we meet God. But my point is that we do have to have that personal encounter. You know, my wife's wild youth, she once went to a pop concert, so I told I think it was Neil Diamond, but I might be wrong. Um, But I do know that what was special about it was that she got her arm signed by him in felt pen. Clearly never to be washed again. She'd been at the concert, but she'd also had that personal encounter. And that was very exciting. Well, Jesus, of course, offers even more than signing our pen, our arm with a pen. He says he will dwell with us and we in him and his Holy Spirit will be in us. He loves us and he wants to share our lives with us. And I just wonder whether some of us just need to relearn that truth. We just need to rediscover that relationship. And we need to allow the Lord to come into our homes, into our bedside into our vulnerabilities and just ask him for his help and his companionship. Well, here's another thing about the kingdom of God and that is that it involves restoration. When, uh, when Jesus dies on the cross, he offers us the chance to be restored in our relationship with God. His death opens up the way for that restoration to happen. And I think that's why Jesus is showing us restoration in action in this passage. Uh, we've just seen uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law uh, restored. Uh, and she's made will instantly, isn't she? She has a high fever. It isn't a fever that then just begins to get better. She's cured. And she leaps out of bed and gets on with stuff. She doesn't spend a, a, a day in bed uh, watching box sets or, or whatever. She's made whole. And she's restored completely. And I think you're seeing the same in verse 40, aren't you, with people healed? There's no drama there. Verse 40 simply says, Jesus heals them. And it's complete healing. And I think that's why we've got this slightly odd bit. Uh, Verse 41, Jesus does not let the demons shout out that he's the son of God. You think, well, well, why not? That's that's surely a good thing to call out. But Jesus is showing he is in complete control. He won't even allow that. Um, It reminded me of those times, you must have had this when you're in the classroom and the teacher tells everybody to be quiet because you're being a bit noisy. 
And there's always someone who just wants an excuse to just make a bit more noise. And usually perfectly innocently. So um, the bog standard one is to ask to go to the toilet, isn't it? That's, that's one way of keeping the noise levels up. Um, our speciality was humming the national anthem. Because you couldn't object to the national anthem. And uh, if you're humming, you couldn't work out who it was. Uh, and I think the devils here, the demons, are a bit like a bunch of naughty schoolboys. You know, oh, we can get away with saying this, can't we? Jesus says, no, you can't. This is complete restoration. His word is complete, powerful, illness and evil completely driven away. And if Jesus brings restoration like that, then, then let's enjoy it. We are made whole when we trust in Jesus. We become the person God designed us to be. Sure, uh, we sin and we fail, we know that, and we have to keep coming back to the Lord and saying sorry, but we're confident that whatever happens, we stand restored before God. And you know, because we have Jesus' spirit in us, because we are restored, then we will restore others. And that will work out in all sorts of ways. It will work out in healings. And it will work out in relationships. And it will work out in bringing people to the Lord. I, you know, I think we're very scared, aren't we, of praying for miraculous healings. Uh, or, or we're scared about praying for defeating demons. But, you know, more fool us. Jesus does it. We can trust his example. And the same with restored relationships. Do you know, it struck me that everybody who was um, healed in this passage, well, that would have restored a relationship as well, wouldn't it? You know, the husband who couldn't work, the wife who couldn't serve, or, or whatever. When we live in the kingdom of God, there is just no room for these fractured, broken relationships. They too need Jesus's healing touch and living in the power of the spirit in God's kingdom means that we too will be healers and restorers so we're going to pray for healing for restoration and we know let's be realistic that not everyone is healed not everybody is restored Terry Virgo writes a bit about this and he uses the phrase saying there are mysteries and deep disappointments as not everyone is healed. And we would say the same, wouldn't we, about praying for folk to come to know the Lord Jesus. We don't understand sometimes why these things don't happen. But just because we don't understand, well, that shouldn't stop us from praying for restoration, praying that people be restored in body, in mind, and in their relationship with the Lord. Well, I think that sort of takes me on to the, the, uh, the, uh, the next point, really, or a final thought. Because uh, if we're talking about how we behave, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of proclaiming. Um, pops up in verse 43. Uh, I don't know what version you're using, but it could be that verse 43 and 44 have got the same, wo same word in it. Uh, and instead of proclaiming and preaching, you might have the word preaching twice. And that's a poor translation. 
they are different things. And you, actually, I've just been reading Acts, and I see uh, Paul often talks about the two phrases of proclaiming and teaching, or proclaiming and preaching. Jesus says he must proclaim the good news. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think, I think what it means uh, for each of us is that we need to live out our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's because this idea of proclaiming in the Bible, uh, it it comes from a sort of a Greek root, uh, and it somehow has the idea of the herald, or the uh, official, or the ambassador, or the town crier. Um, The idea is that the message and the messenger are kind of combined. They're all one. So proclaiming the message is embodying the message, if you like. It's, it's living out the gospel. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. His Holy Spirit is in us. So our lives proclaim Jesus to the world. Now, I think there are two ways you could look at that, and they're both in this passage, um, that could tell us how our lives might proclaim the kingdom. Um, Firstly, very practically, there are a few things you can do. There's a little list you can take out of this passage. I was watching, um, I don't know, Eat More and Pay Less or Eat Less and Pay More, whatever it is, uh, the programme when the people come along and sort out your shopping for you. Uh, And they were really having a go, a couple of mums, because they didn't have a shopping list. So you can't do anything without a list. Well, if that's your mentality, here's a list. Because uh, this passage has got a few very practical things that we can do to help us live out the kingdom. I'm going to talk about them quickly because I really want to move on from there. But here are four things. Verse 42, Jesus goes to a solitary place. So there's something there, isn't there, about taking time out with God. Uh, Verse 44, Jesus preaches, he tells others about the Lord Jesus. We can do that. Uh, verse 44 talks about Jesus keeping going. There's a sense there of perseverance, isn't there? That'll be another hallmark of living in the kingdom. Uh, and flick back to verse 39, where it talks about um, Simon's mother-in-law serving. So certainly service is part of living in the kingdom. And we could talk about all those, but actually there's more to living in the kingdom of God than working through some sort of spiritual disciplines, however useful that might be. Because when Jesus proclaimed the message, he was the message. And when we proclaim the gospel, well, we are the message, and the Holy Spirit who is in us, he is the message. And his message, his spirit, is one of peace, and joy and power and that's what we've been seeing here we've been seeing Jesus bringing peace and joy through restoration and acting in power we live in a kingdom under the power of the Holy Spirit Martin Lloyd-Jones asked this question he says where is the evidence that we are filled with the Holy Spirit He says, do we amaze the world and make them think at times that we are filled with new wine? It's a good question, isn't it? 
we might ask instead, are we really living out our lives as citizens of the kingdom of God? I just know I need to learn to rely on him more. You know, the Holy Spirit lives in me to help me cope with this world. And he's there to help me show others that we have a hope beyond this world and help me to speak out when it's difficult. And that same spirit is in each one of us who trusts in the Lord. And we just do need, don't we, so much to trust him and rely him more. 1 Corinthians 12, famous passage, isn't it? Tells me that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Gifts to help the church grow. And he gives us courage to speak out. Let's just pray that the Holy Spirit will continually refresh us and keep filling us so that we really do amaze our friends and neighbours and draw them to the kingdom. You know, I said earlier we were very excited when we arrived in Kenya, but after a while we got used to it and frankly took it for granted. Oh dear, not another elephant. Let's never get bored with the kingdom of God. It is amazing, isn't it? God loves you. Each one of us, individually, can be a child of God. If we trust Jesus, we can be restored to his kingdom and live out our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that offer is open to everyone, even mother-in-laws. Let's proclaim that this week.